This episode of The Curly Critics is brought to you by our Patreon. You can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash curlycriticspod. We have tiers from $3 up to $15, where you can talk to us on Discord, join our pen pal postcard group, or get our weekly bonus episode, Very Curly Talking. From WBNE. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics, and today we're talking about the Goblet of Fire movie. Insert music here. This movie came out in 2005 and is directed by Michael Mike Newell. His pr- full name is probably Michael, but Wikipedia said Mike. <laughs> nice. And it was composed by Patrick Doyle. Great. How'd you feel about this movie, Jay? Honestly, like, it was alright. <laughs> it wasn't fantastic. I felt like the whole movie, I... This is really how I felt with the book. Like, I was just waiting for the end. Like, I was just waiting for the cool scene at the end, and that's it. Everything else was kind of like, okay whatever yeah Yeah. i parts of this movie made me super uncomfortable like the first half of this movie i was watching it and i was like i'm uncomfy right now can i tell you why well there's one specific scene where i was like "Eh." the first half of this movie is kind of lusty yeah but i thought it was fun i thought it was long but i always think they're long so it's fine (laughs) The book is long. Yeah, so it tracks. It makes sense. I thought it was fun. I think the actors did a really good job. And I think it was a good adaptation. Things were changed, but I none of the things that were changed upset me. You know what upset me? Can you take a guess? No. They literally... Didn't even show the Quidditch scene. Like, I should have guessed that. They just, oh, look, here's Crumb. Cut to the next scene. What kind of BS is that? But they did give you that cool dragon flying scene that was completely unnecessary. Ugh, literally that's not even what happened in the book. That was so stupid. I know. What if we just watched the Triwizard Tournament? What about that? Oh my gosh. It would have made a lot more sense to see Crumb in action instead of just being like, OMG, why is everyone obsessed with this guy? Like, he's so dumb. Yeah. They need to give us no reason to like Crumb. Yeah. It's like, okay, why is everyone obsessed with him? Gross. Yeah, there are some things in this movie that I know are, like, memed that people kind of are upset about. Yeah. The fact that Bobaton and Durmstrang only come with males and females instead of their whole school upsets people. The Bobaton entrance really made me angry. <laughs> there was a oh <laughs> nice close-up shot on their butts where I was like, nobody needed that. Like, Yeah, don't sexualize 16-year-olds, okay? I love male directors. <laughs> from 2005 i thought 
That was so funny, though. Like, both of the school's entrances gave me such, um, like, marching band vibes. Like, when they would stand... So, they would get in, like, this half circle and all of the At drum majors... competition awards. Yeah, competition awards when they're about to announce, like, 10th place, whatever, like... They all get in this semicircle in front of the stands, and it's all the drum majors and color guard leaders. Captains, and yeah. Captains. And they all, like, when their name is called, they do, like, this really funny dance, and, like, they're trying to be the most impressive. They're trying to outshow everyone, and that was such the vibe. Like, it was so funny. <laughs> Even the Durmstrong guys were like, twirling things and I was like yeah it's just like so funny because there was no reason for that to be there no it was just hilarious and Michael Gambon Dumbledore is so dramatic oh yeah he plays Dumbledore so dramatic though when he was like pulling the names out of the goblet of fire and he was like doing all these hand motions I was like Dumbledore please (laughs) He did one thing and I was like, sir, don't overreact. Oh, when he like grabs Harry by the neck and is like, why? That's the other thing that upsets people about this movie. Because in the book, it says, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Dumbledore said calmly. Yeah. (laughs) And then in this, it's like the exact opposite of calm. Yeah, but I feel like that was them directing him. I don't think that was his choice. No, and I think it worked because you could tell that, like, he was, like, he wasn't angry. He was urgent. Yeah, like, why would you do this? More so, like, trying to keep him safe, not why did, like, you're such a jerk or whatever. And, like, let me, like, we need to make sure that we're all on the same page right now so we can figure out what's going on. Yeah. Okay, I knew Robert Pattinson was in this movie. I did not know David Tennant was in this movie. I did. Well, obviously you did. (laughs) I I had never seen, like, I had seen all the pictures of Robert Pattinson, so I knew, but... I just thought that was really funny. To be fair, David Tennant's in, like, a total of, like, 12 minutes, this whole movie. But he's, like, one of the main characters. Yeah. So. Robert Pattinson had no right to look like he did in this movie. (laughs) Like, good? Yeah. Like, he looks super attractive compared to Twilight Robert Pattinson. Like, he actually looks like a good-looking human. Yeah, I thought, I don't know, this is, like, a weird comment to make, you might take it out. Um, like, his face, in certain scenes especially, it looked like they didn't put any makeup on him, because his whole, like, all of his cheeks were just red, like, bright red, the whole time. And, like, I don't know, it was just weird. I think like same, but also <laughs> I think people who like just get red like that, that's just something that's hard to cover up with makeup. 
Oh, yeah, you're right. But I mean, like, movie people should know how to do that, but... Maybe they didn't care. <laughs> yeah, like, eh, whatever. You're dumb. It really <laughs> threw me off to hear Cho speak with an Irish accent. Yeah. I was like, like what? <laughs> I, like, forget that this movie is English. <laughs> Yeah. Like, they're all speaking in British accents, but, like, I've listened to, like, watch so much British TV and stuff now that, like, British accent does not phase me, but someone's, yeah. like, Irish or Scottish, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Or really, the only time it phases me is when, like, people either speak in an American accent in their show, and then they're actually British, or the opposite, and you had no idea. That's the only time it really shocks me. Yeah, like, I've there's watching... a guy on The Walking Dead who my dad showed me, and I was like, oh, dang, he's good. No, I was watching an Andrew Garfield interview, and he's British, and he was speaking with a British accent in the interview, but it threw me off, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, what? <laughs> uh, same with Tom Holland. True. Our little Spidey boys. Mm. So, how did you feel about Moody? And his character. I I thought it was pretty true to the books, honestly. Yeah, I thought he was a bit more insane. But that's kind of the vibe I got, honestly. Yeah, because in the book, I didn't really pick up on the fact that Barty Crutch Jr. was insane. Like, they mentioned it. They're like, yeah, this guy's insane now. But, like, seeing it happen... Like, just his mannerisms are very much like, oh, yeah, this guy's insane. Yeah. The tongue thing was weird. David Tennant, I need you to note that. That was unnecessary, you freak. (laughs) That was a choice, and it was the wrong one. (laughs) I just... Oh, okay, so... As I was fuming about not getting to see the Triwizard Tournament, because I was ticked i literally yelled at my tv i was like you've got to be joking right now this can't you mean be the happening British world cup yeah same thing whatever it doesn't <laughs> matter um <laughs> i was like this is wrong but i don't know why it's fine um apparently it didn't mean that much to me <sighs> god um i didn't like how they did the whole scene after where Harry gets knocked out, like, that doesn't happen? I hated that. That I was, was like, dumb. What are the odds Harry Potter gets knocked out and he's just laying on the floor and nobody does anything? Nobody notices. And then, like, two seconds later, his friends show up, but everything's already in ashes and he almost dies? Like, I don't... <sighs> He just, like, passes out, and then by the time he wakes up, the battle's over. And I'm like, you mean to tell me that since then, nobody's walked by and been like, hey, that kid's still alive? Or They all just ran away? Is that Harry Potter? Like, what happened to all the people that were fighting? I have no idea. I don't mind that they didn't do the whole Winky stole the wand and then Barty Crush Jr. used it thing, because that whole thing was really confusing. Yeah, and there was really no need for it. But, like, there could have been another way to do that. 
It was just weird. They like. I mean, I like, guess they needed to show it somehow, but like they showed stuff not in Harry's point of view before. Yeah, they could have done a, like they run away to the woods and they're like waiting in the woods and then like because that is what happened, right? And then like next we see him shoot it off. Yeah. It just. I I don't know. I like the part where he walks into the tent and is like, I love magic. <laughs> I'm like, nice. <laughs> I, yeah, I just love that whole scene. They can really tell. I think this movie is really where the three, Rupert Grant, Emma Watson, and Daniel Radcliffe, have really like understood the assignment now. They yeah. know what they're doing. Like They started to do it in the last movie. But, like, I like that movie for the aesthetic more than the actual acting. Mm-hmm. And, like, in this movie, like, their dynamic is really good together, and they actually, like, all understand their characters really well. And so watching yeah. Daniel Radcliffe, like, look at the tent and be, like, just in his facial expressions, like, seriously, we're all going to stay in this tiny tent? And then, like, yeah. walking in and seeing it change, I was like, yes, you did it. Yeah. You're finally an actor. <laughs> All of their, like, interacting with each other was really good. I love the scene. Okay. I'm just jumping around. Did Alan Rickman say anything in this entire movie? Yeah, there was a whole scene with him. Accusing Harry of all the stealing and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So that's the only time he talked. (laughs) <laughs> no, there was another time when he was in the thing with Dumbledore and McGonagall, and they're like, no, nah, we should let him do it. <laughs> Thanks, Snape. Yeah, okay. I just, like, the scene where they're all doing, like, the homework, and... <laughs> he doesn't talk. He does not talk the entire... And, like, when Hermione and Ron are fighting about getting a date, and it's just, like, he doesn't talk, but his facial expressions when he, like, puts his cuffs down so he can hit them. I was like, Alan Rickman is amazing. He's the perfect man. I don't even know. Just his whole face. Like, and even in the first trial thing when they, like, the dragon, like, goes over their tent and, like, the knocks everybody over, his facial expressions then... I was like, Alan Rickman knew what he was doing, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, he always did. Yeah. Also, the Phelps twins in this movie, really good. All of their little friend George quips, the, that's rubbish! That's rubbish! And when McGonagall's teaching them how to dance, and she's, like, bumbling, babbling, something of buffoon yes! and they, they go try saying that times five times fast and then you just see them like trying i was like it makes me wonder if that stuff was scripted or if they yeah. just like did that on the set and they got it on camera yeah i also like that we got to see more of neville in this movie because i like neville <laughs> yeah dude i was so mad i literally wrote in my notes later they take out quidditch but keep Draco as a ferret. I was like, bruh, honestly, you really set your priorities there. And I'm mad about it. So that's fine. Yeah. I liked seeing 
that when Ron and Harry were fighting, they, like, hung out with the other people in their dorm. Yeah. Because I don't feel like we don't get a lot of that in the book. Mm-hmm. Where, we, like, they all room together, but Harry and Ron only hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. But, like, just seeing, like, them be, like, scenes and, like, walking together is, like, nice. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys live together and have lived together for three years at this point. Of course, you're friends. Yeah. And I just really love the Harry and Neville friendship. <laughs> yeah. Harry just, like, sitting there by that tree while Neville's like, Neville's, like, looking for plants in the water. Yeah. That was good. That was really was something like, else. This is so wholesome. <laughs> I feel like everything in this movie, every major plot point is just kind of slipped under the rug. Like, even, like, major or minor, like, if you are not paying attention the entire time, if you don't hear, like, stuff that they just mumble in passing, you won't understand, like, the whole thing with Neville's parents or just whatever. Like, it's just so under the rug. It's weird. Yeah, I think this is another... I was thinking about it because at the beginning they did that scene where Karkaroff, like, closed the doors to the Goblet of Fire. And so you're like, oh, he's putting Harry's name in the Goblet of Fire. But, like, we read the book, so we know he's not. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it looks... This is, I feel like, the first time they've, they've, like, done something for people who don't... Haven't read the books. Yeah. be like, look at this little teaser. But even then, like, it got lost. In translation. Yeah. And then the even the reveal at the end wasn't even that dramatic because we weren't, like, actively accusing Karkov the whole time. Yeah, like, that happened and then because no one saw it, no one brought it up and it wasn't even a thing. And they, like, mentioned it later on when Harry was in the... Penivsiv... Penivsiv. The thought machine. <laughs> And, like, we saw him on trial, and so you're like, oh, he's suspicious. But, like, Harry never looks like he's suspicious in this movie. And it's not, like, in a movie, it's hard to, like, make those subtle connections where, like, as a reader, you're reading this over and over again. You're like, huh, that's weird. But in a movie, it all happens so fast that it's harder to be like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Um, let's see. I didn't, I didn't like Hermione this whole movie. I didn't like how they made her play because she was super stressed the whole time. She was super annoying, super, um, hormonal, which like, I get it. It makes sense. But the whole like crying on the stairs thing, I was like, you've got to stop. It's not even that big a deal. Cut it out. I mean, like, she did, like, they did fight in the book. I don't, I don't think she ran off crying, or at least we didn't see her run off crying. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't like the way they write Hermione for the most part. They just really turned up the know-it-all, like, 12,000 notches. Yeah. And then, well, at least in the book, we get to see her do things that are pretty illegal. (laughs) Yeah. Like, in the book? Was it in the Goblet of Fire book where she blackmailed Rita Skeeter? Yeah. Yeah. She, like, kidnaps a woman and blackmails her. 
like that's not the Hermione we see in the movies. And so yeah, and it's so like, in the oh, books, that evil woman, and then nothing else happens. So in the books, we get to see a balance of like Hermione's a know-it-all, but she also has a dark side, and we get to watch that happen and see it. So we're like more okay with the fact that she's a know-it-all. Well, just here mm-hmm. we only get she's a know-it-all, mm-hmm. which is just an unfortunate fact of book to movie adaptations is you can't have all of the nuance. Yeah, which you could have if you were just doing a movie with no source material. Yeah. I you would... feel like if there was no source material, these movies would be a lot better. Because they would be written to be movies. And they would make more sense. Yeah, that's a interesting. I haven't watched a book-to-movie, like a newer book-to-movie adaptation lately, but I wonder if they've gotten better at that. It just of... depends. Of, like... Because book-to-movie adaptations are so interesting because you have to toe the line of this is still a book and we want it to turn it into a movie without with, while it's still faithful to the book, but it also needs to be a movie. But there has to be a way to write a book-to-movie adaptation that makes it a movie and not just yeah. we took out the best plot points for the book and kind of tied them all together. Was To All the Boys a book first? Yeah. So that would be a good example. Yeah. Also, but also those those characters are a lot less nuanced anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But yeah, that... I thought, yeah, the To All the Boys movie was really good. Obviously, you watched it 300 times. <laughs> I didn't like the second and third one as much. I, listen, there's a chance I still haven't seen the third one. (sighs) It's fine. The the thing is, a lot of times, if I read, uh, watch a movie before I read the book, I like the movie better. That's why I never do that. The only case where that hasn't happened has been The Martian. Speaking of good book to movie adaptations, that one is excellent. Cause we so I watched The Martian for the first time in physics class. Mm. And then I was like, wow, this is a great movie about space and science. So I got the book. And the book is like everything that the movie is, just with more science. Yeah. And you get to see a little bit more of the crewmates because you have more time in a book. Yeah. So I liked that. So I can, like, watch both the Martian movie and the Martian book and be like, these complement each other really well. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have to pick favorites. So it can be done. <laughs> yeah. It just usually isn't. <laughs> it's unfortunate. <sighs> oh, my gosh. One of the best lines in this whole movie. What's got your wand in a knot? I want to use that just in everyday conversation. (laughs) I was going to say that the only part of this movie where Hermione didn't annoy me is when she walked up to Harry and was like, Ron told me to tell you that Seamus told her that Parvati said that Hagrid is looking for you or whatever. And then 
she had to like go back to Ron and Ron like whispered to her. She's like, please don't make me say it again. Like that whole scene felt very teenager in a way that I was like, I like this. Like this is good. It was annoying because we're older, but like it's hilarious at the same time. Right. Like that, that would literally happen. And then later when Ron is like, yeah, I told you about the dragons because I told you that Seamus, I told Hermione to tell you that Seamus told Bravati that Hagrid is looking for you. And Harry's like, no one would have picked that up. How was I supposed (laughs) to pick that up? Like, what? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, I, (laughs) whenever the whole like Seamus scene happened with the gillyweed, (laughs) I wrote, no Dobby, nice. Bet they didn't have the budget for that CGI. <laughs> it's also the Dobby stuff in this book. You have to explain it so much. Like, the only yeah. reason that he's there really is because of Winky and, like, and, like, he's free. And, like, then you, like, would have had to have Hermione's storyline. Well, you could have just been like, oh, yeah, since I'm free, I was working in Hogwarts because Dumbledore said... And then, Harry, you saved me. You're the best. Here's this thing to help you. It would have been pretty easy. Yeah, but instead we get Neville. And I like Neville. Ay. What a nerd, honestly. (laughs) He's so sweet. Oh my gosh. The scene after the Yule Ball where Harry has a bad dream and, like, Neville's like, are you okay, Harry? I just got back. Me, I was like, Jenny and Neville went hard. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, party, we're going all night. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Which is like, Jenny was like a third year, so she wasn't even allowed to go if it wasn't for Neville. And like, Neville's like an outcast. And so like, they were just like, we have each other. We don't care what anybody else thinks. We're in a dance all night. What? Did they go together in the book? I think so. I didn't remember, and so it took me by surprise. I was like, what? Let me look. Because I, I just, I don't know. I might have just skimmed over that part. Whatever. Uh, yeah. The first thing that popped up, I said, did Jenny and Neville go to the Yule Ball together in the book? And then it said, no, Neville and Jenny weren't each other's type. <laughs> But it was like a Cora thing where they were like, do you think yeah. that when Jenny had romantic potential? And then this person's like, nah. Yeah. What the? We can't talk about this right now. Oh my gosh. I just need you to meet Luna. Ugh! Fine. I know Madison was obsessed with her. Uh, yeah. I just miss her. I think about how she would have reacted during this book so often. Right now, my life is just waiting for Jade to read books so she can meet my favorite characters. Ugh. These books are so long, honestly. The payoff is not even worth it. (laughs) Also, talking about Siege and Storm, that book's a lot shorter. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So, something else that bothered me in this movie. Well, okay, so pronunciations, right? 
Um, Pensive, I guessed that one correctly. Perfect. Um, I did not even notice them say it. This is why I've never said it right ever. I just, that's hilarious to me. I don't know. Um, didn't you literally listen to this book? Yeah. No, I read this one. Oh, I was like, bro, honestly? <laughs> I would have been so mad. Um, he only said it once, but I made a point of listening just because I don't like how they said the French school. Um, I thought it would be Beau Baton. That's how but I more, say it. Like Frenchy? No, he Dumbledore says Beau Baton, and I want to die. Like it's terrible. It sounds awful. I've it sounds always, like a bad sport. <laughs> I've always said Beau Baton. Yeah, because it sounds more French. That's how, anyways. And then the, um, the spell where you can bring things to your hand. Accio? Um, yeah. I always thought it was Accio. Oh, I because always said Accio. The, the double C. I think it's because the double C in Italian would be the CH sound. And so I just automatically read it like that. But that sounds really close to Achu. But it also sounds cooler because it's like Achu. But it does sound more Italian now that I think about it. I just, I don't like it. Yeah, they say that one a lot. So I've just always said Accio. Yeah, I just. Pretty common spell. <sighs> There's the part where after they get out of the lake task and suddenly Emma Watson has a French accent and she says Grindelo with a French accent and it makes no sense. Yeah. Aw, oh, man. Is it Accio? <laughs> no, it's literally Accio. In Latin. Oh my gosh. C is pronounced like a K, but double C before E-I-Y-A-E and O-E is pronounced T-C-H. Ugh. Literally? At you. I don't like that at all. Who directed this? Mike Newell. Literally? We're gonna box. Because... Don't say it wrong. I don't... And if they say it like that in the audiobook, then this whole series is a lie, and I don't like it anymore. Yeah, after we record this, I'm going to have to go look in the audiobook until I can find it. Because <laughs> I'm upset about it! <laughs> if you tell me it's not CH, I'm going to lose it. It's not CH. <laughs> it's fine anyways i just thought that was important um pronunciations are like a thing i don't know it's the english nerd in everything wrong always so um as a singer who has to sing in like five different languages all the time that is unacceptable so good thing i'm not a singer (laughs) Yeah, like, that's fine. I just I'm mean... I'm just a podcaster. 
Yeah. Um, so say words, right? <laughs> That's rubbish. That's rubbish! Oh my gosh. Um, also, I want to be in the Hogwarts band. That's I wish me too. Dope. I wrote that down. <laughs> like, I want to be the timpani player so bad. I was like, man, I want to be in the Hogwarts orchestra. Like, I literally can't. I also just love how Fit- Flitwick has a secret arts like movement that he's like doing. Like, Flitwick runs all of the arts clubs at this school. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, I don't even know. Oh my gosh. McGonagall and Snape arguing about Quidditch and then Flitwick is just like orchestrating the choir. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, he's like, do you guys want a spirit band at your competition? <laughs> <laughs> this the Quidditch whole... spirit band. literally this whole movie is just an ode to marching band and they didn't even realize it (laughs) that's gonna be a great tweet honestly i was like let me write that down but i write them down when i edit (laughs) yeah um i was mad in the maze that um harry suddenly became the hero instead of cedric like, Harry literally became useless in the maze, but in the movie, Harry's the hero that saves Cedric. And I was like, bruh, honestly? Yeah, I was thinking about it. So, there's that theory that the Golden Trio is, like, the three houses, the other three houses represented, and I was like, Movie Harry gives me big Hufflepuff vibes. Yeah. More than Slytherin vibes. But everybody's like, Harry's the Slytherin of the group. I mean, of the others, yeah. But, I don't know. Then it's also like, there's a level of Book Hermione, big Slytherin vibes. Yeah. Movie Hermione, only at Ravenclaw. <laughs> Literally. So annoying. <laughs> it's the worst. I've been playing Lego Star Wars recently. Lego years Harry Potter. Four. Every time. Lego Harry Potter lately, years one through four. And the Crumb Shark Lego minifigure is my favorite minifigure. Oh my <laughs> gosh. He can't do everything. Ex- he can't do anything except pull heavy things. But I love him. <laughs> See, I haven't like I asked for the video game from my brother for Christmas, but I haven't been able to play it because I don't want to figure anything out. Now you can play years one through four. Are you sure? Uh huh. I just finished it. Okay. I don't think well, there's anything else. Dude, if I find anything out, I I'm really be don't mad. think there is. Okay, then I might start playing it because it's still summer and like yes. It's like the Lego Star Wars, like prequel sequel ones where like 
those levels are only talking about those things. And, like, those characters only from those things. Yeah. Is there talking? No. Oh, thank God. And then you, like, walk around Hogwarts and you can, like, solve things. Yes. Can you be a true wizard? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Perfect! Right now I'm playing. I have times four, times six, and times eight on. So it's, like, times 192. And I, like, yes! went into free play mode to, like, do this level. And I, like, got true wizard really fast because, obviously... And then yeah. I was, like, minding my own business, and I looked up, and it was, like, three million studs. And I was, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that happened so fast. <laughs> Low-key, the best Lego mo- Lego game is Lord of the Rings. And, like, I'm not a huge fan of Lord of the Rings, but it's literally open world. And that's just... It blew my mind. Like, I didn't think... Any Lego game could be open world, and it just changed my life. Yeah, this one's, like, half open world. Yeah, like, Indiana Jones is really good. Obviously, Star Wars is incredible. Um, The OG. Harry Potter, I'm assuming, is really good. But, like, Lord of the Rings, I could not recommend it enough. It's so cool. Shout out to MC, start playing Lego Lord of the Rings. Once you finish the Hobbit movies, I just want you to do podcast episodes on the Lord of the Rings at the Lego levels. (laughs) I should love for that. That's amazing. I would love nothing more. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My next note is, bye-bye, Seti. The whole time that, like, Harry was, like, saving his life with the, like, things and whatever, and Cedric was like, I thought you were just gonna leave me here. I was like, don't worry, Cedric, you're gonna be dead in 20 seconds anyway. But then it's, like, foreshadowing, and he doesn't leave him there. Oh, no! It's so sad. (laughs) Dude, that, like, oh my gosh, that scene actually hurt. Like... All of the stuff about him, like, don't leave me here, like, bring me back to my parents, and then people not realizing what had happened, and his dad seeing, and then the scene at Hogwarts, like, oh, it brought back, like, kind of terrible memories, because I kind of had a classmate die when I was in college. Um, Yeah, the way they, like, come back, and then they're like, they're back, and they start playing the music before anyone realizes what's happening, and I'm just like... Yeah, it really... I just can't help but think about how traumatized Harry is. Yeah, like, Like, he did such a good... Like, he was incredible in that scene. I was like, this is peak. Dang. Like, it gets worse. Like, every year I'm like, Harry's traumatized. But, like, this year especially, like, we start with Moody showing the killing curse in front of Harry. So, bringing up his own trauma of his parents. Doing the Cruciatus curse in front of Neville, bringing up his trauma. And then, Harry watches Cedric die. And then he, like, sees his parents for the first time in his, like, life. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, Voldemort's back. Bye. Have a good summer. Yeah. It 
It was a lot. Like, the ending was a lot emotionally to handle. And I was like, um, this is fine. There's no... Wait. There's a good reason why Harry's pretty angsty in the next book. I mean, yeah, he has every right to be. I'm surprised it hasn't happened so far. I just want to the authors of the world. I want someone to write a fantasy series like this, but with therapy. <laughs> Literally, if Star Wars had therapy, a fan fiction. <laughs> if the Jedi Order had therapy, Anakin would never have been Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, everyone would be alive. All those Padawans wouldn't have died. It's a whole thing. But can you imagine if Harry went to therapy while he was at school? Dude. Like, it I think they have all changed... need therapy, honestly. <laughs> I don't think it would have changed the plot very much. He would just be more emotionally equipped to deal with it. Yeah, he wouldn't be so scarred for life. Literally and metaphorically. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It, it, yeah, it was just a lot. This movie had, like, the vibes of, like, teenage rom-com plus angsty movie plus comedy. And it was very dramatic and confusing. (laughs) Yeah, I think this whole movie would have been really confusing to someone who hadn't read it. And even as someone who had just read it, it was still, like, I had to pay attention the whole time or it didn't make any sense. Yeah, I didn't pay that much attention watching it. Because you've already seen it. I mean, once, like, ten years ago. But, like, Mm. I know the plot of this book really, really well for having only read it twice. Yeah. And even then, like, there's some confusing stuff in it. Yeah. I just thought it was funny that the lake task was at in the like beginning of spring end of winter yeah i was like why didn't they do that one first when it was a little bit warmer outside but they were like it's cold outside let's go swimming i don't know i don't know like it was a harder more challenging task to figure out instead of just brute strength you know yeah i guess that's true that's all I had, man. Yeah, I don't really have much either. <laughs> I really liked it while I was watching it. I thought it was funny. At points. Yeah. I, I really... wasn't... Oh, go ahead. Mad-Eye Moody's character at the beginning really, like, rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. But as it progressed, like, it got better. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, there's okay. a reason he's called Mad Eye Moody. Like he's freaking nuts. Yeah, like he really grew. Like I really, his characterization really grew on me. Mm-hmm. But then the end, like all of the wrap up, Moody's actually Barty Crouch Jr. happened so fast. Yeah, and you're like, what? <laughs> Wait, and then who's we get this guy again. <laughs> and then we got none of the. We're getting the gang back together. There's a war going on stuff. Yeah. That we got in the book, which I feel like is kind of important. 
Yeah. They didn't have to bring in, like, the political stuff, but just the acknowledgement that, ah, yeah, this means war. Like, if anyone had just said that, that would have been enough. Like, he's back. We're gonna be in a war now. Yep. But they didn't. So, read the books, kids. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Like, my family is probably going to watch these movies and be like, what? (laughs) At least you'll have read the book so you could explain it to them. But at what cost? So dramatic. Just like Harry and Dumbledore. Mood. Okay. So, based on Goblet of Fire book and movie, rank the Weasley siblings. From best to worst. Oh my gosh. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Surprise. No. You literally don't even see the other two, and I just. <laughs> In the book, you do. Yeah. But you said book and movie. Yeah. Like using both of the source materials. Uh, yeah. Not separate, not two separate rankings. One ranking from both source materials. I'm not going to do numbers. I'm just going to try and do them in order. Okay, that's fine. Um. Um. I don't know. I like all of them for different reasons. Honestly, I feel like Ron's at the bottom. Well, second. Percy's honestly the worst, but, like, (laughs) Ron's just annoying, like, in this. And, like, Bill and Charlie are really cool, and the twins are really cool, and Jenny's really cool. I feel like that's my order, honestly. So, Bill, Charlie, Fred, George, Jenny, Ron, Percy? Yeah. I think I'm gonna put Bill... Fred and George, Charlie, Ron, Jenny, Percy. Yeah, you don't see a lot of Jenny, do you? No. That makes sense. I just like her. And she's the only girl. I feel like that gets her points. I, in this movie, there were lots of little moments when, like, Jenny would walk by and, like, say things to her brothers. And I mm-hmm. liked that energy of Jenny, the only girl, knows how to, is the only one who knows how to control her brothers. Yeah. Because you know, like, six older brothers, they're all super protective of her. Yeah. But then also, she can say whatever she wants to them, and they'll be like, whatever you say, Jenny. <laughs> Obviously, Mrs. Weasley is the top, though. Like, no question. Okay, but she also, in this book was, like, mad at Hermione because she thought her and Harry were dating because she read a gossip magazine. I mean, isn't that real, though? Aren't moms really like that in real life? Yeah, I just think that there's a lot of people who are always like, Mrs. Weasley's the best. She's amazing. She's perfect. But, like, Mrs. Weasley is a very flawed character. Yeah, she's not perfect. She's great, though. She, like often underestimates Fred and George and she's also like 
putting Ron down a lot for, like, the skills that he has. And, like, yeah. she's very much, like, once you achieve something, you're worth something. And, like, she gets better as they go along because people start dying. Mm-hmm. And, like, the war's going on. And she's like, wait a minute. I actually, like, love my kids and I have to make sure that they know that. Yeah. I just like that she took in Harry. She didn't have to. She could have been like, I have enough boy children. No, yeah. That, like, gives her points, for sure. It's very Enneagram 2 of her. Yeah. To be like, I help everyone, but I also expect everyone to do everything for me. Mm -hmm. Well, no. That sounded really bad. But, like, that level of, I'm very helpful, but I'm also very resentful of when people don't take care of me or do what I want them to. Yeah. But she's still a good character. Mm -hmm. So rank the defense against the dark arts teachers um what are they again so we have quirrell <laughs> got la quirrell lockhart lupin moody i feel like it's just like lupin and then the other ones <laughs> I mean, no. Moody would probably be second, because even though he's, like, evil boy, he does show them, like, a lot of important things and how to counteract them, whether that's in the book or the movie. So, I mean, that's kind of fine. But the other two were completely useless, so. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. So, then, (laughs) what do you think the Rotten Tomato score is for this movie? 73 for which critic or audience both okay i did not have this pulled up when i asked that question (laughs) you have to guess too i know um i'm gonna say 60 critic 75 audience yeah you're probably closer 88 critic, 74 audience. Ugh. I need to fight these critics, honestly. Like, what are their credentials? What makes them a good critic? I feel like nothing. They're just random people. Was there a train in this movie? I mean, yeah. Did we see the train? They were on the train. Yeah, you're right. They were. I forgot. (laughs) Twice. (laughs) They're like always on the train. What do you mean? (laughs) Okay, what do you rank this? Rate this? I think solely for the good acting alone, I'm going to give it a seven. (sighs) I also gave it a seven. Good. That's fine. So that gives it a seven, seventy percent. Yeah. That makes it the second best Harry Potter movie. I can go with that. So far, I can live with that. What's the first three? Yeah. Cause you gave that a nine. <sighs> oh my gosh. I like the aesthetic. 
I may, after we're done, change my scores a little bit. Yeah. Once we have the full picture. Cheater. You can change your scores, too, if you want. But that's cheating. Okay, my final question for you, Jade. Oh, yeah. What do you think the plot of Order of the Phoenix is? Listen, I've been thinking about this so hard. Because I I thought I was going to start the book before we recorded this episode. I didn't get the chance. Literally? Such a good tweet. I'm giving you so much good material here. (laughs) Order of the Phoenix is about (laughs) Phoenix's... McDonald's order. <laughs> Final answer. No. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now that that's wrong. I don't think so. I think I'm right. I'm pretty sure. Okay, but what do you think Fox would order at McDonald's? Yeah, didn't think I would ask that question, huh? No, I wasn't ready. I'm so proud. I don't know. (laughs) Spicy chicken sandwich, probably. But then I was thinking too. It's a phoenix. Why wouldn't it order a spicy chicken sandwich? Definitely a spicy guy. Yeah, but then like you gotta get like a milkshake or a McFlurry or something. No, no, I think he would get a Sprite. McDonald's Sprite is spicy. All the McDonald's bubbles. Sprite is the worst. It tastes like dirty water. But the have bubbles. You ever, have you ever had a McDonald's Sprite? No, I don't drink Sprite. It tastes like dirty water. It tastes worse than when it comes out of the can. This is a very strong Sprite opinion. I didn't know that I was going to open this up. Literally? Like, I I can't even describe into words, but I'm not wrong. Like, I've made the mistake several times. It's real. It's a real thing. McDonald's, sponsor well, us. Please. <laughs> Okay, join us next week as we talk about Phoenix is going to McDonald's. Yeah. Or, or it could be, like, the Phoenix makes, like, the Ten Commandments, so it's, like, an order that's on, like, stone tablets. (laughs) You're closer to the right kind of order. (laughs) Or, what if it's Order 66? (laughs) I could do this all day. Jade, do we have social media? (laughs) No. We have a YouTube. Go on there sometime. We have a Gmail. I still haven't seen any Gmails from you guys. A little disappointed, honestly. CurlyCriticsPod at gmail.com. Um... Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Curly Critics Pod. Yeah, we have funny tweets. 
mostly of stuff I say or think in the middle of the night. Yes. The Curly Critics are a proud member of the WBNE Network, which has other amazing podcasts to listen to, one of which is Unsobered. Here's a promo. Hi, I'm Julia, the host of Unsobered, Women of History and Literature, the podcast where I talk about the women that the history books, history classes, and the general public often overlook, or who just get a brief mention, but we never really know the whole story of their impact on the world we live in. On Unsobered, I share the stories and histories of these amazing, strong women. And while I tell you the history we don't get from traditional history classes, I get more and more drunk over the course of the episode. So join me to learn about your favorite women or to find a new favorite woman that you didn't even know contributed to one of your favorite things. New episodes released every other Friday. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon or buy our merch. Have a magical day wherever you are. And don't forget to ride a train. And send us emails. Yeah. Or just tweet at us. That's cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, bye. Bye.